Say Jesus. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing today? Y'all ready for church? Y'all ready for church? We want to say hello to all our campuses. And we started our new campus in San Marcos last week. So we want to say what's up, San Marcos. Everyone say what's up, San Marcos. East County, San Ysidro, City Heights, and San Diego, and Point Loma. And also, we have Microsite in Coronado, Chula Vista, and La Jolla today, and Juvenile Hall, and Donovan State Prison. Let's give all those people out there a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless you. Love you. Security, security. Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. Security. <laughs> you know. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that you are our security. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that your plan for our life is better than any other plan we can have. We thank you that there is security in Christ. We thank you for our church family. We pray you continue to bless and use us to spread the gospel to San Diego and beyond. We pray for all the people listening and watching online, all our campuses, in the prisons, and juvenile hall. We pray you bless and encourage them. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you move, all the guys, all the men in all the campuses, check one, two, one, two, one, two. All the guys and all the men in all the campuses, I want you to say this with me out loud. You deserve. Say, you deserve to be loved. And honored. And now I think there's some guys not speaking unless there's 90% women in here. So, so, so one more time, all the fellas in here, I want to hear, if you have bass or not, it doesn't matter. Just say it. Take a deep breath in. Say, you deserve, you deserve to, be loved to be loved and honored. I want you to find three women and say that to them before you sit down. Go ahead. All the ladies say, hey. hey. That's right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three. If you have a Bible, we're going to lift the Bible up on the count of three and say word. Amen. Amen. One, two, three. Say word. Turn to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. First page of the Bible. I appreciate it. Savior, who's the man's for after the sermon? <laughs> uh, Genesis chapter 2. I have a question for you. Why are you here? Why did you give your life to Jesus Christ? Some people give their life to Jesus Christ so they want to check the box, go to heaven, and live their life their own way. Some people come to church every now and then to get their fill, their encouragement, or make sure they're good with God in their own mind, and then go about their business. Did you give your life to Jesus Christ to just go with the flow and do what you want, having checked the box? 
attending, not attending, belonging, not belonging, being involved, not being involved, serving, not serving, giving, not giving. Did you give your life to Jesus Christ just to go with that flow? Or did you give your life to Jesus Christ so you can grow into the person God created you to be? So there's two different things. And if you say go with the flow, then you will get go with the flow. You won't grow. You won't ever reach uh, the level of spirituality and God knowledge and God transformation that you were designed to. You never have the joy the Bible talks about. And you will always be wondering why. Blaming other people. But if you say, no, I want to grow. I really want to be what Christ called me to be. Which, by the way, is a lifelong process. You never get there. But the process and the journey is worth the ride. Because you're always, there's always more of you that can be surrendered. If that's what you want, then the next question is, what's the next step? Especially, what's the next step that we offer you if this is your church? The next step, and what's so critical, is being in a, what we call a group. Everyone say group. We call it a life group, small group. We're just going to make a simple, really group. Say group. Our desire is that 100% of you that say, this is my church and I want to grow, that you get into a group. It's very simple. Now, how do you do that? You go to life class, first day of life class, you get, you know, life class is a process of you discovering who God made you to be to not only get you in a group, but to get you serving where God called you to serve in the kingdom of God. And we have it every week. And you can go online, you can, it's every week at 2 o'clock. But I want to define for you a group because some of you are already in groups and you don't know it in the sense that you don't call it that. Just look in your notes real quick. It says a rock church group is that, is, that is led by an approved leader and consists of at least three people who meet regularly for ESPN. <laughs> now, just, just so you know, it doesn't mean that you meet together to watch ESPN, even though that can be a biblical, biblically sanctioned group. I did not make this up, but I thought I saw it was ingenious, so I will take credit for it for today. But so ESPN, it's very simple. It's a, it's a group of three people that meet together to do four things. Very simple, some of you already do this. One, encourage that there's people in your life that know you, that will encourage you. Not encourage you in your job necessarily or encourage you in your workouts, that, that, that could be included, but encourage you in your spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, scripture, that you share scripture with. Now, by the way, let me, let me say this. A lot of you people think of group, they think of a Bible study in a house. Get that out of your mind. That absolutely is a group. But you can meet at Starbucks. You can meet at a field. If you minister to the homeless, you could do this in the park. If you mountain climb, you could do this on the mountain. It doesn't matter. It's that you're meeting a few people and you're encouraging each other spiritually. You're sharing scripture. It could be a story. It could be a passage. It could be one verse. And then it says prayer. The P. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Pray for our time together. And then next step. Next step, what does that mean? Are you saved? Let's get saved. You got saved, you get baptized, let's get baptized. You go to life class? Are you serving? Let's just, just keep moving forward in our relationship. Just imagine you have three, four people and you get together and you encourage each other spiritually. You pray at some point. You share a scripture at some point because the Bible, the word of God is the foundation of what you're doing. And then you're encouraging your, your, all of you in your next step. I have a group and everybody in my group, they're all in different places. And so what do you, you need to get saved, you need to get baptized, you need to, you need to start teaching somebody else 
So let's all move forward as we progress and grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our goal is that all of you will be in that process and that you would never see coming to church only as it. If, if, you, if you find yourself saying, well, church isn't enough for me, you're exactly right. It's not designed to be enough. This is not going to be enough. It's an everyday thing. It's not only you and your group whenever you meet. It's you every day getting up saying, okay, God, before I start my day, I want to get, make sure we're aligned. I want to make sure I'm, I'm surrendering my burdens to you. I'm surrendering my, my, my day to you, my decisions. And every day when you wake up, someone once told me, plan your week before your week and plan your day before your day. So tomorrow is Monday. Plan Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before you go to bed tonight. What are you going to do each day? And believe me, God will show you a bunch of stuff on how to use your time more wisely and how to make better decisions. Plan it. And then every day, plan your day before the day. What am I going to do tomorrow? And when you plan your day, say, God, what, how do I handle this? I'm going to talk with this person. I'm going to make this decision. Keep surrendering to God every day. Okay, so we would love to get all of y'all in groups and, and, and in a group where you are in this process with people and we're going to talk to you about that today. So turn to Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 2. Now, number one in your notes, number one in your notes, God designed us for relationships. This is something that's very foundational to what we have to understand about how we were made and why we were made. If you have a child or have a baby, say amen. And let me say this one more time. If you've had a child in your life, if you are a parent, say amen. amen. If you have not had a child in your life, say amen. amen. Okay, so for all of you who just said amen, you don't know nothing. <laughs> amen. <laughs> let me say it a different way. You know something about something, but there's something you don't know nothing about. <laughs> when you have a baby... You will learn so much about everything, <laughs> but specifically, love. If you don't have a child, when you have a child, you will realize how self-centered you are now. Because all your life, it has been about you. And when you have a baby, all of a sudden, your life is not about you anymore. The reason I bring this up is because when you have a child, the reason you should have a child is so you can have relationship with that child, so you can love that child, so you can care for that child, teach that child, shape that child in a way to, to what God wants them to be because they're not yours. They're not yours. You may feel that way when they're young, but when they're old, you're going to say, you're not mine. <laughs> can I get an Amen. Not that they're bad, not that they're bad, but some of them are, some of them are. But, uh, so in, in, Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens, he created the earth, he created the fish, he created the birds, he created the, the, the land animals and all kind of stuff. And then he created man. Let me give 30 seconds on, on evolution and creation. Uh, people say, believe in the Big Bang. Who banged it? Who organized what got banged it? Who provided the material to get banged it and the power to bang it? <laughs> Very important questions. God created and organized it, and, it, and every time he made something, every day he said, it is good. Everyone say, it's good. When you see a butterfly, it's good. You see a hawk, it's good. You see a raccoon, it's good. You see the sunset, it's awesome. 
See, the ocean, the desert, the snow, it's good. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. And then he created man, Adam, all by himself. And you know what he said? It's not good. Fellas, we're dirt bags. We're made out of dirt. We're made out of dirt. So he said, it's not good. <laughs> Look at chapter 2. It's biblical. Look at chapter 2, verse 18. I'm only joking. It says, it says, the Lord said, chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord said, it is not good that man be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Uh, what did that mean? It means that I created man to have a relationship with me and each other. I created man in my image so we can have relationship. So man can speak to me. I can speak to man. We can, have, we can love each other, encourage each other. Man can obey me. We can walk together. Man can rule the earth like I would rule the earth. He gave man dominion over the earth. He said, man, I made the earth perfect. Everything's fine. Remember I said, it's good, it's good, it's good. Take care of it. Don't mess it up. That's our responsibility. So I, I, I made you so you can think like me and understand like me. But he says, you alone can't do that by yourself. And you can't have relationship alone. You are not designed to walk with God by yourself. It's in relationship that we encourage one another, that we, we, we love each other, we admonish one another, we correct one another, we teach one another, not by yourself. And so all of us were created for relationship. Everyone say relationship. I've talked to so many people, Christians in my life, where they say, well, I'm, I, it's, me and God have our own thing. Your own thing can never trump this thing. And Jesus said, you will know you, you are my disciples by your love for one another, not just your love for me. The greatest commandment is love God with your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't just do half. And so we're talking about being in relationship with people where people can get in your business. Oh, see, that's the part I don't like. That's exactly right. Because we want to have our own little space. We're going to have our own little secrets. And we can have our own little version of the Bible. And God says, no, 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 this is my version and it's going to happen when you have people in your life. By the way, people who love you, people who care for you, people who you trust. Number two in your notes. Number two. Groups are, is a biblical model for the church. It's a biblical model. Turn to Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Verse 42, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts says, Acts chapter 5, verse 42, day after day, day after day in the temple courts, large group, and from house to house, smaller groups. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Let me read it again. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Everyone say house to house. Again, let me emphasize, it doesn't have to happen in a house. My small group is not in a house. It's in a workplace. It's in an office with a bunch of guys. That's what we meet. It's at their job. I go to their job. They all come out of the, 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 in their break time and we all meet. Just, it could be a Starbucks. It could be anywhere. Remember ESPN. We encourage one another. We share scripture. We pray. We, we encourage next steps. Very simple. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 20. It says, 
You know that I have not hesitated. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Acts 20, verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. We have our public meetings or wherever you hear the word of God, and then you have house to house. It is a biblical model. It doesn't mean you have to have it in the house. Let me emphasize, it's just that you get together and you look each other in the eye and there are people in your life to whom you can be accountable. Number three in your notes, God transforms our lives in the context of encouraging and an accountable community. Encouraging an accountable community. Turn to Hebrews, towards the back of the Bible from where you're at, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And as you turn there, let me say this. There is nobody in the world that can force you to do this. There is no one in the world that is responsible for your spiritual growth other than you. You can't stand in the mirror and say, God, you know, my pastor didn't teach on this. Or the church didn't do No, no, no. I'm not going to teach on everything. It's impossible. It's only 52 weeks in the year. I'm not even here 52 weeks. It's your job, your responsibility. It's like saying, I didn't lose weight. Well, did you go to the gym? Well, no. Did you eat right? Well, no. But my, my, my trainer, it's his fault. Well, do you even, have you ever met your trainer? No. <laughs> okay, I'll go talk to him then. <laughs> it's up to you. This is all up to you. If you want to just go with the flow and be whatever, that's fine. But if you want to be accountable, if you want to grow and really be what God called you to be, then take ownership and responsibility for getting in the group. Now, call the church. Well, no one call me back. Call again. You get online, send an email. No one email me back. Email again. Don't give up. If, if you were chasing a girl or a guy, or guys, if you were chasing a girl, if you give up after one call, please, brother, call again. Go to her house. No, I'll be, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you've heard the story before. My, when I met my wife, and she was, obviously she wasn't my wife when I met her, but when I met my wife, I asked her to dance, and she said, no, straight up, right in my face, no. And I did not move. I said, no, 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 no. Uh... <laughs> I knew all my friends. I said, girl, my friends are watching. You cannot, I cannot walk away by myself. Come on. Just, just fake it. Just like, you, know, you just dance next to me. It doesn't have to be with me. Just like, look like. She ended up dancing with me, and then later I, a slow record came on, and I wanted, to, you know, I wanted closeness. She said no. And then I asked her for her phone number, and she said no. I said, well, how am I going to see you again? She said, you'll figure it out. So I stalked her. <laughs> what I did was I went to the registrar and found out where her class was. And I went to her class. It was innocent. You can innocently stalk somebody. <laughs> My daughter has told me stories about guys that have been interested in her. And I'm like, are they calling you? Well, they text me every now and then. What? <laughs> Brother. 
It's a whole nother deal. Here's my point. If you don't go get it, you don't deserve to have it. And if you are trying to get God in your life and get holiness in your life, if you don't fight the fight, it's a, it's a battle. You don't deserve to have it. Don't complain. Look at Hebrews. It says, see to it, brothers, verse 12. Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of, uh, of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. It's your responsibility. Do not have an unbelieving heart. But encourage one another. Everyone say encourage one another daily. Say encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Uh, trust me, sin is deceitful. Raise your hand if you have just one sin in your life that you know, man, I, I need to get rid of that. Just raise your hand real high. Real high, real high. Look around the room. Look at all these sinners in this room. I talk to people like, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites in church. And I have so many good comebacks, comebacks to that. Number one, there's no hypocrites at your job. There's no hypocrites on your softball team. There's no hypocrites at the, at the Charger game. There's no hypocrites at the bar. All the places you go, there's no hypocrites. This is where hypocrites should be. It's church, right? Bring your hi hypocrisy so God can unhypocrise, hypocrisize you. Okay. But, but understand this, you're not going to be dehypocritized just by showing up. <laughs> you need someone to encourage you. And this is someone who you trust, someone who you, that you're gonna, they're going to trust you and you're going to have a, a relationship that's confidential. Don't trust stuff with just anybody. But someone you're going to say, look, can you hold me? That one thing that you raised your hand was pornography, your diet, your anger, your lust, your lying. Say, look, can you ask me, especially if you meet every week, this is really good, can you ask me next week or call me every day and ask me, did I watch the wrong stuff on the internet? Just ask me. One out of every two guys have watched pornography, and a lot of them are still watching. One out of every six women watch pornography. And the day pornography is watched more than any other day is Sunday. Whoa. Pornography makes more money than the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and hockey, pro hockey combined. That, if that's your issue, just ask me. Next time you start doing this, you're going to think they're going to ask me. Ask me that I yell at my wife. Next time you start to raise your voice, ah, they're going to ask me. You know how powerful that is to have someone in your life? And do you know how debilitating it is to have no one in your life where you could do whatever you want to do and you can grade your own test paper and say, I did a great job because there's no one. You're going to pass every time. You're going to get an A even though you got every question wrong because you have recreated your own Christianity. And in your mind, if I come to church, I'm a Christian. That's like saying, I live in the garage, so I'm a car. <laughs> you live in the garage because your mother doesn't want you in the house. <laughs> Who is in your life challenging you? And you may be saying, I don't want that. 
Why? Because you want to have things your own way. Well, if you want to have things your own way, you didn't give your life to Christ. Because giving your life to Christ means having things his way. It's not praying a prayer to go to heaven. That's not what it is. That's why the Bible says that many are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? He's going to say, I never knew you. He said, what do you mean? I was in ministry. It was all a fraud. It was never real in your heart. You were just playing. This is, this is the Bible. Jesus himself said this is going to happen. People who do this, what I do, are going to come and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I prophesied in your name. I did miracles. He said, no, 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 no. Your whole thing was based on you. Now, if that's going to happen to people in my role, how much more is going to happen to people in your role? Get someone in your life. Start with one person. And say, just ask me this. Call me this every day. I, I struggle every Friday night. I struggle every, you know, Thursday, whatever, whatever it is. Help me. Oh, your life would be transformed. Accountability. And the guys in my group, hey, I, what are you, how are you doing with this? Oh, that's my Let's talk. Let's talk. Life's transformed. I was in, when I first got saved, I was in small group twice a week, two days in a row with a smaller group of three, four guys total, and then another group with about 15 guys, 10 guys, and their girlfriends and wives. And it was the only reason I learned and grew. You can't do it by yourself. Athletes do not, do not get to the level of professional and then exceed by themselves. They all have coaches, plural. They have, they have a workout coach. They have a, the skills coach. They got nutritionists. They got all kind of coach. They got mental coach. All kind of people in their life. They can't do it by themselves. You can't do this by yourself. God was not called you to do this by yourself. Look what it says next in, in, in point number four. It says groups were created, create a relational environment for growth and ministry. Relational. Um. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, by the way. Hebrews chapter 10. Walking with God is not about information. And by the way, the gospel is not about information. It's about a person. What does that mean? Is that when you ask Christ to be your savior, you're not just agreeing to facts. You are establishing a relationship with a person. There's a difference between a person and a human. A human is a person with a physical body, but your personhood, who you are, is the invisible part of you. Your personality, your, your ability to have ideas and thoughts, your heart, your passions, the ability to have relationship. It's not this, because if it was this, then they would say, well, you're less of a person if you don't have a leg or an arm or you can't see. It makes you no less of a person. Your personhood is what's invisible, the invisible part of you, the non-material part of you. That was made in the image of God so you could have relationship with God. When you ask Christ to be your savior, it's not about information. It's about relationship where God changes you and transforms you. So look what it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider, let us think about how to stir up love Start one another to love and good works. Encourage one another to love and good works. Love is, the, is synonymous with obedience. To love God is to obey God. The definition of loving God has nothing to do with what you feel. In other words, you can say, I'm, I'm mad at God. Because, you, you know, things ain't going the way you want. Because you don't know the beginning, the end of the story. You're just in the beginning. And you're caught up in the circumstances of the now. And God's saying, wait till the end of the story. If you ever watch a movie and you get mad at the movie because the bad guy is getting away with it. 
and you're anxious. And you, anybody get that? Yeah, just, that's, that's the whole point of the movie is to keep you into the movie. But you all know in the end, the good guy wins. In the end of God's story, God wins. We get mad at God now. Loving God is obeying God even when it doesn't feel good. Loving God is saying, Lord, I trust you. Even though I understand what's going on, I trust you and I'm going to obey you. So it says, look at what it says in verse 24. Let us consider one another how to stir up one another in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging, there it is again, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Who in your life is thinking about how do I stir you up to obey God. Hmm. If, y'all, if you have a, check one, two, one, two. If you have a spouse, you know your spouse. Fellas, if your wife knows you. You have to trust her. Ask your wife, what's one thing I can do better to be a man of God? And she's going to say, only one. Ladies, ladies, if I'm telling the truth, say, hey. Okay, okay. They're going to be like, oh. If you, say, if you ask that question, she may get out a piece of paper and a pen. And you say, no, no, just one. Just one. I can't, I can't have one. But if you ask your spouse both ways, God, blah, 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 what can I do? Hold me accountable? Your, your whole marriage changed. But you've got to be humble enough to receive it from your spouse. It's a relationship. Who in your life is doing that? That's what this is about. If you're rolling in here every now and then, you're not going to grow. You may grow a little bit. But you can grow in a month more than you do in years just by being in the group. They did a study of people who get heart transplants. And when you get a heart transplant, one of the things you have to do when they give you this new heart is change your lifestyle. Because your previous lifestyle ruined the first heart you got. And a heart is a very hard thing to come by. Lungs, organs are very difficult things to come by, so they don't just give it to any old body. And they saw that the people who changed, the people who were in accountable relationships, after they got the new heart, the people who were in accountable relationships changed 8 out of 10. If you had accountable relationships and said, listen, you got to stop eating these kind of foods, you got to exercise, you got to rest, and people who were in relationships that held them accountable to that, they changed their lifestyle eight out of ten. Out of eight out of the ten people who got the new heart changed their lifestyle. The people who did not have accountable relationships, out of every ten hearts they gave, one changed their lifestyle. Matter of fact, if you get a new heart and, and you get a, a new lung, one of the prerequisites of getting the heart is can you afford the medicine, but do you have healthy, life-giving relationships? If you don't, they're like, well, we don't know if we want to give this to you because if you don't have healthy, life-giving relationships, you're going to waste that long. You're going to go back. You, you can't walk with God without healthy, life-giving relationships. I would ask you, you may have friends that you really love, but they're not doing you any good here. What does that mean? That they're not doing you any good here. And that you need to Distance yourself from their influence in your life. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't hang out with them. But you means that you put this first. I went through this. I get it. And when I started to realize 
the upside of my relationship with Christ and the commandment of Christ and the call of Christ and his deep love for me and what he was going to do in my life. And I realized my friends are holding me back from that. What I had to do was say, Lord, I'm not going to kick them to the curb. I'm going to love you so much. I'm going to put you first in my life. And then I'm going to let, through me, you're going to love them and let that relationship happen. It will change on its own. But you have to put God first in your life. And then you minister to them. Now, by the way, my friend who was like my brother at the time did not want to walk this journey with me. And our friendship changed. I had to decide, do I keep chasing women and do cocaine? Or do I walk with God? <laughs> That's an easy decision. Do I go down the path? And by the way, that brother to this day is still doing cocaine. And he's 50-something years old. Breaks my heart. Or do I walk with God? Now, don't get me wrong. Please have non-Christians in your life. Just don't let their influence trump this influence. That's the key. They cannot snuff the light of God out of your life. Amen? So, and, and, and I would also warn you not to, not to get, not, you need to be a light in the world. So you need to learn how to do that. So I'm going to call you to two things, two, two courses of action. For all of you who are watching in all the campuses, if you're not in a group, I want to encourage you, take ownership of your growth, sign up for life class today. Get in a life class, pursue it. Get in a group, get some people in your life who you can love and that love you and that you trust, that can hold you accountable. Your spiritual walk with Jesus would go out the roof like that. You cannot do this by yourself. And then I would say there's some of you out there who are listening, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never admitted to him that you're a sinner and surrendered your life to him for real. You've done token stuff. You prayed a prayer, but it really wasn't a commitment. And I want to challenge you here in a minute to give your life to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to pray for all of you. Lord God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you so much that you provide us with a very simple model for how we can grow closer to you and walk with you and learn from you. So, Lord, I pray that our church would take responsibility for their own relationship with you and they would be very persistent about getting in a group. And they would believe in the benefits and that you would open their eyes up to who is influencing them and how. And how do they really want to be influenced and encouraged. But, Lord, there may be people in our campuses and in Juvenile Hall and Donovan State Prison who have never given their life to you. They have religion concept in their minds, but they never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. I want you to pray this prayer with me if that represents you in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I know you love me. I know you have a plan for my life. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please fill me with the Spirit of God. I lay my life down at your feet. Be my Savior 
and my Lord and my God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, wherever you are, whether you're in a microsite, whether you're in one of our campuses, whether you're in juvenile hall, Donovan State Prison, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. By standing, you are declaring publicly, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. There's going to be somebody there who's going to pray for you. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, you're saying, yes, I, I want to start my journey with him today. I'm going to ask you to stand to you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet if you prayed that prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, as you're standing, in a minute, I'm going to ask all y'all who are standing to come down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you got to do is turn around and walk up and the ushers will bring you down. The rest of us, what we want to do is we want to encourage them as they are making a bold step today. So if you're standing up, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar, and let's give them a hand. They come on down. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Stay right there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stay right there. God bless you. God bless you. Just face me. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just face me. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Just come down here, sir. 